30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is a ritual. If you're listening to this, the magic found you. And I'm so glad it did. Welcome to This Podcast is a Ritual. The only podcast that's also a magic ritual. And it just so happens to be hosted by a wizard. Which is me, Devin Person. And I'm so thrilled that we are creating this connection right now. That out of the countless thousands of podcasts that you could have tuned into, you have stumbled into this little magical corner of the internet so that we can communicate and connect and match our abilities and interests and create a little magic together. Today on the podcast, we're going to be joined by Amy Van Dorn, professional matchmaker at the Modern Love Club in New York City. In the modern world, dating has evolved and transformed at a pace that's really stupefying. Just from the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, We've gone from a world where the idea of online dating was something you'd be embarrassed to tell people. It was a dark shame that you'd put an internet personal to a world where Tinder is common and we've now had these new social diseases like ghosting and catfishing and all of these other weird things that we get when we reduce human connection to flipping through images and giving a thumbs up on the ones you like which is where Amy comes in to work her own particular brand of romantic magic. At the Modern Love Club, Amy sits down and interviews so many people every week. There are so many people that are looking for love and trying to find their match, and Amy sits down to hear their stories and figure out who she can help. Then she takes those people and she goes deep into her Rolodex of weird, quirky, amazing folks and starts creating connections, point A to point B, bringing humans together to help them not just go on dates, but succeed in dating. Because I think when we're presented with so much choice, it gets easy to flip through and browse and never get that deeper connection, when really, that's what it's all about, is getting past the surface, into the terrain of dating, where you can really find who you are in relation to another person. So without further ado, let's make some magic, let's create some connections, and let's find out how to meet our match. All right, Amy, welcome to Ritual Space. Hello, Devin, thank you. What's our magic word gonna be? Future love. Future love. Yeah. Great. One, two, three, future Future love. love. All right. Now you are, I don't know if I want to say expert, but you're very well versed in the topic of love. Yeah, I think, I think that would be accurate. And how did that come to, how did that come to be? Um, how did you become a modern love pioneer? Sure. 12 years ago, um, 
I was really interested in durational performance art. And so I was sitting in parks giving out love. In, in one of my pieces, I was sitting in parks giving out love advice. And that kind of, someone came up to me and they're like, why are you dressed so crazy? And I'm, they wanted to interview me about my crazy dress. And they're like, well, what do you do for a living? And I didn't want to say I was a performance artist or an actress or that I worked in fashion. So I kind of kind of gotten tired of the ego of those things mm-hmm. um, and so I just on the spot was like well I'm a matchmaker and that hit the press and uh, I, whatever I said in that interview seemed to have struck a chord with a lot of people and so I started getting hundreds of emails um, a day from, from women mostly in New York and they were like I was like hey by the way like I'm, I don't actually know what I'm doing but like I'll charge you a hundred dollars um, and matchmaking is much more than a hundred dollars mm-hmm. um, And so they're like, okay, well, you know, if you want to try it, like we can go on this journey together. Um, And so I started very small with my matchmaking clients. And I was like, I'll just keep doing this until people stop asking you to do it. And so I thought maybe it'd be a year or two, but now it's been well over a decade. It's truly durational performance art. It's truly, it's truly become extremely durational. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to get, you're going to get to like year 25 and you're like, and scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, I always think like, you know, something changes where I can't do matchmaking anymore. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I like it. And I'm, I'm thankful to have found something that can, a durational performance art piece that can actually financially support me. And I feel like I'm doing good work and like really helping people. And I, it, it, like your story is so great because you kind of stumbled into your calling by you, someone said, Someone asked you to identify yourself, which is such a common question in the modern yeah. world and in New York, I think very specifically. It's like the, what do you do? Right. Do I say the interesting thing? Do I say the day job? Like, it's, yeah. how do I present myself to everyone? And you just pulled up a term and then that opened the gate for you to then move into a whole new... Yeah, it was a weird flash moment. <clears throat> like, it really like... Yeah. And I, I think maybe you might be able to relate to this, but I think everyone's like, well, what's the secret to you being successful? Because at this point, you know... I, I've interviewed more single people than any other matchmaker or person in the country, maybe the world. Mm-hmm. And at, you know, at this point, after seven thousand matchmaking interviews and doing talks and working with all of you know all the anthropologists in the field and the scientists like studying love, at this point, I really do think that I, I it would be silly for me not to say that I'm an expert. Right. And I think as a woman for a long time, I struggled to be like, well, I don't know if I'm an expert. Or not. I'm like, well, who is, if I'm not an expert, who is an expert yeah. on this subject? But I think that the specificity of the job instead of like you know trying to be an actress or a fashion designer like I think I I think I was successful because I picked a relatively uncompetitive field especially at the time mm-hmm. um, and it was right before everyone went, went through burnout from online like online dating is still exciting and it, it you know the collapse of um, the belief in modern romance which is where I think we're at right now it has made this profession particularly extremely popular in a way that I never expected it to be it's like there was a moment where because I can even remember when the idea of online dating was still like icky and weird and had that connotation of like oh only a lonely single would put up a personal you're like on Yahoo personals or and it still had that thing where people wouldn't want to say that they met online and that changed pretty quickly and then kind of collapsed in on itself where everyone's like, okay, we're all admitting that we're doing it, but we're not no one's getting happy off. with yeah, it. Yeah, no one's yeah. happy. They're, they're going into their dates already assuming it's not going to work, which I think we both know if you assume something's not going to work ahead of time, there's really no possibility for it to work out. So were you able to witness the rise and, and not fall because it's still active, but like yeah. you were able to see Tinder come up in yeah, this process? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? It was, you know, I was just like, I'm going to be out of business. 
Like, mm-hmm. why would anyone hire a matchmaker if they can just, this is just right here and it's so easy and there's so much volume. And then I think our culture in general started realizing like the problem mm-hmm. is volume. Like having too many choices mm-hmm. keeps you from actually acting or going deep or, you know, because a person that's a great person to fall in love with or get married is not, those things don't correspond to being a great first date. Right. You know, like sociopaths are great first dates. Yeah. Um, narcissists are great first dates. They're going to wow you and interest you and in, in all this stuff. But uh, the person that kind of opens up over time, who's thoughtful, who like maybe you're like, oh, you know, I think they have similar values and I, I feel good when I'm around them. is a much better long term. And, and we don't all need long term bets. But if you're going to pair up with someone, yeah, I think something that opens up over time is a lot more interesting than someone who just like punches you in the face of their personality and then leaves. Like an annoying pop song that immediately hits you versus that album that you listen to it and you're like, I don't know why you like that. And you listen to it again and you're like, okay, maybe there's something there. Yeah. And then you listen to it five times and you're like, there's one song that stands out. And you listen to it a hundred times you're like, wait, it's song seven that's the real gem. How did I never see it? And you keep discovering yeah. more and more. It's like when, I don't know, like when I was like 13 discovering Radiohead and being like, I don't get it. Yes. Because I was a 13 year old girl and I had been listening to the Backstreet Boys before. Right. And I was like, and I listened again, I was like, I don't get it, but uh, I don't know. I, all the cool boys are listening to this and I want to hang out with them. And then now, you know, it, but it's the stuff that gets more interesting with time that's more challenging to your neurological pathways, I think, that mm-hmm. are more timeless. And there's more to explore and there's more to discover. Yeah. You're not going to get tired of the, the bombastic first date that you're like, oh, that was really cool and fun, but not who I want to bring to my uh, family Thanksgiving or my holiday party or see every night in bed before I go to sleep. Right. I mean, like, I even think about myself this way. Like, if I were to go on a first date, like, I would be a big, I'm a great first date and I'm, I'm going to win it because I, I know how to win it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a terrible partner. You know, like, I'm, I'm loud, I'm demanding, I have all these ideas about romance, I'm always, like, taking them out on my partner and experimenting, and like, you know, we haven't tried polyamory, or, like, what about, you know, I'm always, like, bringing home my science fair projects of, like, you know, these tests and trials, and so, yeah, like, lots of, lots of people like me when they first meet me, but I think the reality of, like, sharing a container with me might be more challenging. Yeah, that's a great point. So what is it that you do in your your intake process? How do you make matches? Um, oh, that's interesting. So I sit with the person and I try to be as, as present as possible. And I have um, my clipboard and my um, little questionnaire that I fill out. And I kind of try to figure out how a person wants to be communicated with. Like some people want it to be very challenging. They want breakthroughs. They want... You know, they want me to like, you know, rip them apart and put them back back mm-hmm. together. Um, and some people want like the to, deep tissue they, massage. Yeah, they, they want, want that. Like, if you're not giving those knots, you're like, not if, working. If, if you don't make them cry, didn't you know? It didn't yeah. count. Like, so some people want that, and like, I, I can do like one or two of those a day. Um, but some people, most people, are really anxious when they come in, and so I try to make them uh, just feel as comfortable and as and just not feel judged, and you know, try to be funny and try to. Um, help them understand that their problems are totally universal and like just less alone. And I think the, the process of the interview, really there's something that by the time someone comes in, they're thinking about like being serious about wanting to meet someone. This, when, they, when they do their interview, that's sort of the spell, right? They're saying out loud what they want mm-hmm. and, it, you know, and they're checking with me and I'm like, well, actually, like I think we're swimming like at a little above our video game level or, you know, giving them actual 
feedback. Yeah. Um, But half the time they leave and they don't have to hire me because they're going out there and they're making eye contact with people because they're aligned with what they want and they just meet people, which is great because I can't match make everyone. Yeah. And there is that power of if you say it out loud. Yeah. That's that's half of it. That's literally half of it. Like I definitely... I I legitimately, with no quivering anything, I straightforward am ready to meet my person. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've, I've had magic where I'm like, oh, I should do a ritual for this. And I start thinking about it and like begin to yeah. jot down the notes. And then the thing happens. And I was like, well, all right, guess I don't need to do that. Right, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happened the other day. Like, I, was, I, was, I, I finally got real with needing a basketball. Mm-hmm. And the second I was like, okay, I really, like, I, like I've been wanting a basketball for two years. I just need to, you know, say out loud mm-hmm. that I want a basketball. And I got a basketball the next day. And it, maybe my manifesting is um, a little... Maybe I'm manifesting a little small. <laughs> we have to start somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the way that I view magic, I don't think that it's a it's a video game where you've got to press the buttons in the right order and that's yeah. the way it unlocks it. It gets more about intention and opening up a deeper part of yourself that mm-hmm. has that power. And it's hit or miss, you know. Sometimes you really need to do all of the preparation to do it the right way. And other times you just kind of throw it out there yeah. and you hit it on the first try and you're yeah. like, great. So when people are coming in, where in their own, I mean, I'm sure it's a spectrum, but yeah. are they at their wits end and they've been failing at Tinder and single for years or are they just think that this seems like a better route to take? What so is... I, have, I have two categories of people that come in. I come in, I have, I have my people that have done the work and you can kind of see them vibrating at a certain level of just... You can just, you can see it. Like everything is kind of buttoned up in there and they're really ready for the person. Um, and they can socioeconomically afford just to have their love life curated, right? Like why wouldn't they have someone who knows all of these incredibly cool people in New York just save them the time mm-hmm. and so just line up like, you know, six amazing dates that are going to blow their mind, make them excited about dating and not make them feel like they're, you know, wasting their time. So I have the very like, you know, the entrepreneurs that are like, you know, running 70 companies or like the the tech CEOs or the just people that are operating at a much higher um, level of functionality. So that's, you know, that's what I really enjoy working with because then I'm not doing so much coaching, which I'm great with, but I, I like existing in the pure matchmaking realm where I'm just putting the thing where the thing goes. They just don't have the time to yeah, and and go also, fishing and just keep going through the process. They need... They, they're, they're willing to pay for the shortcut. Yeah, and, and so they're willing to pay for my, you know, the seven thousands of hours I've done interviewing the people. And so, the, so those 16 people are sort of my, um, I guess, patrons, right? Like, if this is a performance art piece, these, these are my patrons. Um, and it's, you know, it's the same people that would spend $20,000 on a painting. Mm-hmm. But instead, they're investing it in um, the most important investment, which is, like, the quality of the, their partner. Right. Um, and then I have, then I take on usually two or three matchmaking um, or coaching clients, which maybe they'll get some matches, but I don't. I can't guarantee it because I don't know if people are going to say yes. And these are the people that are at their wits end, that are coming at a, a place where they're not operating from a place of like having a lot of scarcity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those people, I'm really trying to reset some of their more negative thinking and kind of change their narrative about themselves. You know, if they need help talking to women, like, well, like, you know, practice that stuff. If they have... What does know, that look like? Um, just, like, I think men are really confused. And I think with a certain kind of feminism that's happening, the best way for us to engage with these confused men is to give them a space to say something stupid 
and then kindly correct them, right? Um, so, you know, they're you know they're afraid to ask like, how did you do this certain sexual thing, or do women like this, or what if what do I call her this, or do I text her a lot, or like, you know, men were raised thinking that they were supposed to go after the woman that they want without looking for the cues to see if that woman's interested. Right. right? Well, like Hollywood romance yeah. is this thing of do the grand performative gesture, which only works if you have the green light. If it, they already are, if they already are, they, they, the yeah. woman's already, the woman has already decided whether or not she wants you or not. Right. Um, that works if, yeah, if the green light's going. Um, but many men don't know how to read that. Um, and just like learning not to take things personally. Like I had a client the other day that said, you know, he wanted to get like his hit rates of like the women that wanted to meet him down to 1%, right? Like when we started, you know, he was, he was, he was bigger in size. And he was like, Amy, do I need to get thinner if I want to date attractive women? I'm like, well, yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Um, and so he came back and he lost all this weight and he's feeling good as a bi He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't to meet a woman, but then yeah. it ended up that he got healthier and happier. Um, but then he's like, yeah, I want my hit rate to be at one. And so because like before, like maybe one in 200 people I would ask would say yes to going on a date. Mm. And then, you know, now, now like many people would say, he's like, I just want like everyone to say yes. And I was like, you really don't. Yeah. You don't want to be for everyone. Like I'm not, I don't want to be for everyone. I want to be the person for, like he wanted to be special, right? I've seen that with Tinder where there's all these articles and things about how to optimize your profile for yeah. Tinder. And I'm like, you don't want the most matches because you don't have time to go on that many dates. Dating is not yeah. a game of maximizing. Yeah, you don't, you you don't want to be homogenous. To, you want to filter to find the people that you're actually going to resonate yeah, with. Yeah, you're a brand of weirdo. And mm -hmm. you want to make it easy for your brand of weirdo to find you. Right. And so being an outlier is much more efficient with finding the one for you because it's not we're not trying to win a game of like popularity we were trying to find a deep meaningful connection um so that's how that works what about women um it's interesting um it's, it, so the last 10 years i've been really thinking about all of the things that men and women are doing that are so disastrous it's not really aligned statistically speaking the city's kind of set up for failure because you know, statistically speaking, women in their 40s, there's 10 women to seven guys, like 60% of those men are dating 10 years younger than them. The ones that are still in the market by they're in their 40s tend to have an avoidant attachment style. And so these women- What is are, avoidant uh, attachment style? It's a whole thing. So I, if I could recommend a book, it's Attached by Amir Levine, and it talks about uh, attachment theory, which is something we do a lot of work with. Um, but it's basically just like if you are capable of having a relationship gotcha. or if you avoid the relationship. Mm -hmm. and so most of the men that are still single in their age range are, um, if they were going to match, they probably would have matched already. Yeah. So I, I got obsessed with thinking about all these numbers. And so I'm like, all right, there's 10 women and two guys. And these two guys don't seem like, they don't seem great. <laughs> the pickings are slim, you know? And I, I got so bummed out over studying that and studying like, uh, you know, the things that, the women are bringing or not what the men want, what the men want or not what the women, you know, and there's just a, a grotesque, like, it's, the system is just set up to fail. And I got really depressed because I've been studying this for 10 years. And then in December, I sort of got into a very low point and I was like, okay, something has to give because I love this matchmaking thing. I've changed so many people's lives, so many beautiful babies and marriages. Like, I, I want to keep liking this. And so I've kind of, I'm trying to stop talking about like, what the problems are and I'm trying to and for Valentine's Day I'm doing this we're gonna have a big art show and I'm trying to reimagine what the future of romance looks like because we're all shitting it and we you know we, but like I think we really need to start using our imaginations 
and thinking about how love can actually support us. So if monogamy is not working, let's come up with some other ideas. Like yeah. what? Is, like what is like we, we don't have anything to look forward to because no one's daydreaming about what could be awesome. I think that's you. You've hit the nail on the head so well there because that's something that our the millennial generation I think is really struggling with. Where there's so many problems that we're dealing with that we just kind of get stuck in rattling them off and pointing to them. And how can we articulate the problems? And we've let go of this idea of optimism and hope and brainstorming. What? 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 Are, okay, great. Those are problems. Fuck them. Yeah. What would we like instead if we all got? Yeah, like if you could, if you can have anything. I've been asking people yeah. this. I'm like, if you can have anything. With this love thing, like, what do you think the future of love looks like? I haven't had one person answer this. Like, well, actually, I think this is what it looks like. Let's answer it. What do you think it looks like? Having problems with that, too. I mean, I do think it's more um, driven in communities, yeah. smaller, more local communities. I think that, um, I, I do think that the, uh, I do think that there's something challenging about the idea of monogamy. Um, because for a long time it was used for like dividing land and, mm -hmm. you know, I intellectually, but I, I don't, you know, with my adventures in polyamory and these things, I don't think that that's the answer either. And I think that there, I, mean, I think it's the, and I'm at the beginning of this search, right? And this is why I'm trying to bring everyone together to ask them because I don't want it to be my future of romance. I want it to be for Everyone's, all of us. Yeah. yeah. Not, like I'm doing just fine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think it looks like? Well, I think polyamory creates problems and solves problems kind of at the same time. Really and yeah. I, I <laughs> definitely resent when I think the polyamory community has at times had a tendency to act very superior of like, we have freed ourselves from the ignorance and shame of monogamy and we are evolved. And it's like, that's not for everybody and don't act like it is. And that leaves a bad taste in people's And mind. it also requires a certain level of time that comes with the socioeconomic like, I don't think it should be, I think whatever we're dreaming of, it should be for everyone. Right. Like, you know, like the amount of time I spent negotiating multiple relationships at the same time, I didn't have time to do my job. I was drained. I'm like, all right, yeah. well, Monday. And then having the same, you know, there, yeah, there the, is a... The primary partner of a polyamorous person is their Google calendar. It's, exactly. It's all, it gets yeah. into scheduling and all of that. But I think at the same time that there's a pressure that can build up in monogamy where the fantasy of... Oh, if I wasn't with this person, I would be doing all of this cool stuff. And like, you can kind of project your resentment onto that person. When the door is open, you realize you're like, oh, no, like I, like, I wouldn't be like, I, I could do those things. But right. I don't live a life where I'm going to go to parties and hook up with three different people tonight. That's not what my life looks like. And then you find that you actually appreciate your partner more because you're constantly intentionally choosing to spend time with them not because that's the option the only option that you're given you, you yeah the cage door is open but you're comfy in there i think so i, th I do think you have to I, I do think that the future of romance requires a high level of self-awareness and self-work and like yeah um present and and, and 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 everyone not just you know not just all the female matchmakers I know and all the female you know dating coaches but everyone having um, a thoughtful conversation like, not like letting love happen to you but really mm -hmm. being thoughtful and concise about if love is a room picking picking what each thing in there is and does it you know sort of in the same like read condo thing of like yeah. making sure that each object in there and each person intentionality in yeah, yeah. Just being really thoughtful. being thoughtful about it I think I think that's something that um, 
like we were talking about earlier with Tinder, how when it was new or online dating in general, there was a population of people that were like, this is exciting. I'm going to meet all these people. Yeah. And then now you have a population of people who are like, uh, another online date. I'm expecting them to flake on me. I'm not expecting this to go right. anywhere. And people come with so much baggage already. And I don't think we know as a population what are good dating activities. Because sitting across from each other and just doing the resume swap right. is awful. It's awful. Especially because men have sort of evolved. And if you go around, and I learned this from Helen Fisher, who's um, a dating anthropologist that I like really look up to. So if you look at men talking to other men, they're always sitting side by side. They're not facing, so they go to bars and they look mm. forward, they go to sporting events, you know, in the prehistoric times, they were behind a bush holding yeah. a rock. They, you know, and <laughs> then, the club that Yeah, money. exactly. And so women are much better at like reading faces, right? Um, and so like when I'm talking, especially with my male clients, I, I enjoy walking with them actually, mm-hmm. because it's easier to listen because your ears are on the side of your yeah. head. Like why, if your, your ears aren't there, they're, they're there and there. Mm-hmm. Um, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, this is a very aggressive stance, like staring at someone and asking them questions. Like that's, that's never going to feel good. And there's nothing to fill the silence. It's like, we've got to keep this conversation going or we're just staring at each other over our, our dinner or drinks or whatever it is you're doing, yeah. which is totally different than walking around a museum and, oh, it's fine. We're both looking at this painting for a moment. And then, you know what? This painting reminds me of this funny story about when I was a kid. And it's like, you get prompts of things to talk about. And it's about. a new conversation instead of where, like... I remember it's situational like, it's not yeah. you can't repeat it I, I was like oh, I gotta check out this Tinder thing because yeah. like I love meeting strangers like I, between here and the subway I'm gonna meet 30 new people mm-hmm. um, like I, I, I get high from meeting strangers I don't need to date any of them mm-hmm. like I just I just want to I just want to know what's happening with everyone mm-hmm. um, but I remember just like there'd be this moment where I'd sit down and someone be like oh where are you from and I'm just like it doesn't don't ask me where I'm fucking from that's the least interesting thing about me like mm-hmm. just ask like the way to win a date is to ask a question that someone hasn't thought about before. Like you feel, and you feel alive. Able to answer. It. Yes. Because that's the other thing that I think people go in the other direction, and then they're like, "What is your darkest, deepest dream?" And it's like, "Fuck, I don't like like what." That's like an intense question. Like, right? I'm in small talk mode. Like, you can't just throw that on me. And so you need to have that balance. You have to get gauge it, right? Like, I would get really, I would get off on that because, right. like. But there's a lot of people that would freeze. Sure. And so I think that's the thing is that I've seen people go in either direction where you're either like, oh, you live in Bed-Stuy. Cool. What, are you off the, the G or the J? And I'm like, do you care? Yeah, like, why does it does matter? Does it fucking like, matter? Like, like, are you, are you, are you, are you going to take the subway together now? No. 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 I don't want to care about the logistics of your life or like where you, yeah. Do you give people, matter. so I guess you have these two categories of people. Do mm-hmm. you give them... Tips? Do you help them set up dates that are going to be yeah, better than? I'll, I'll give them clues. I'll be like, "Yo, this girl is real happy when she's." Because I ask people, I'm like, you know, where, where where do you feel joyful? Where do you feel alive? And so they're like, "I love the bowling alley." Yeah. Speak the bowling alley. Like I, the other day, I had the. It wasn't supposed to be a date, right? Like I had been at the gallery. The gallery was closing, and I was like, "Hey, we're we're going to this thing at the bowling alley. Do you want to come?" And so we go to the bowling alley, and like someone left a pizza, and we ate the pizza, and this guy was so socially awesome and socially awesome there's like did you read about social awesomeness there's this professor studying how to be awesome whoa i, I need it's to read it's really that. cool and basically the idea of being socially awesome is to give you the space to be as creative and expressive as yourself as possible 
And so really allow, like making space for events to happen. So it's kind of setting up the scenario for you to thrive. Oh, I um, love so that. like being all in and being like, like, you know, setting it. So like if I'm having a bad social interaction with someone, it's because I didn't do a good job laying it out for them. It's never because there's something wrong with them. Yeah. And so I was like at this bowling alley with this guy and he's like, okay, now, well, let's, let's, let's bowl as if we're like an old married couple and your name's Lucy. And instead of being like, no, my name's not Lucy. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm Lucy now. And like, we had a whole backstory. It's like improv. So, it's, yeah. like, it's like agreeing it's a, to it. It's a good improv game. He's like, yes, and also we'll steal this pizza and we'll be yeah. an old married couple and yeah. then we'll go wander the street. It's just saying yes. Which I, I, I agree with that completely, except I do think that there are some times where not everyone can can dance that dance. Right. And I, I had to learn that as a, a person that was dating because I would go on a date and it would just be dead. And I would come home and I'm like, what What was I doing wrong? Yeah. And then I would go hang out with somebody else and have like the most amazing conversation and so much fun. And I eventually had to realize, I was like, you're not going to click with everyone. Right. Some people, you're too talkative and they wanted to sit in silence for 15 minutes. Right. Like, and if it does, it, sorry, like if every social situation doesn't, I mean, I don't think that people should be dating looking for the person that they're going to marry or date. I think that you should be dating because it's interesting meeting new people and yeah. take that pressure off. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I, like Enjoy I never, the journey and maybe like, you'll oh, end up someplace interesting. And like yeah. the thing with like getting dinner is like, I eat dinner every night. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, I fall in love. Worst case scenario, I'm less hungry. But no matter what, it's it's in the plus side of the category. It's not, um, it's, it's not laborious. And if it becomes laborious, stop. Take a break. So, <laughs> enough about that, but what is the other side of the equation? Because you have the people that are coming in, and mm-hmm. then who do you match them with? Are you yeah. out on the street? Just... So, you know, I do a podcast, and people are like, oh, shit, I'm single. I want a cool experience, and if you, you know, I'll interview you for free. You can come in for free. Worst case scenario, you get to talk to an expert about yourself for an hour. Best case scenario, I can set you up with the love of your life. Um, and so, yeah, through, I have 10 recruiters that are working for me. So if I have a very specific search, cause some of these searches are, you know, I have some people that are very, very fancy and the things they're looking for are like, they're exceptional and they're looking for exceptional. And just by default, mm-hmm. it's like one in a thousand, you know, the people. So I really, yeah, yeah. find me a road scholar that speaks four languages, please. And, and maybe not even the specificity of that, but maybe this, the, the level of personal development mm-hmm. is just at the very like kind of like with your tattoo like the tip of the pyramid and right. not the other tip of the pyramid and so you deserve that other mm-hmm. tip of the pyramid or wherever you're at you deserve your equal mm-hmm. just sometimes if you're real if you did a really good job there's going to be less of the population that's relatable yeah um because you're up at the tip yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i have these 10 recruiters and then people apply online and we get a ton of press and i've been in business for a while and so it's mostly referrals at this point which works well for us. So you've got a deep Rolodex and then you interview someone who's paying for the service and then you're like, okay, cool. I will help you. And then you go into the Rolodex Mm -hmm. and you're like, this seems like a good option. And And on average, they go on um, a mutually opted in date one a week. And so my client will come in once a week and I'll be like, okay, here's the five women that I think are great for you or the five men. Um, This is the, this is my top pick for you, Mm -hmm. but you know, obviously you have to be attracted to them. Which one do you want? These are the ones that said yes, which ones do you want to date? So it's hyper curated. Um, So then you're reaching out to, you're reaching out to the other people and you're saying, Hey, this is someone that you might go on a date with. Are you yay or nay? Exactly. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. And it helps that I'm, I'm real friendly. And so if I, if I know what I'm looking for, I'm never afraid to be like, yo, what's up with you? Are you single? Like, what's your story? Yeah. Um, Cause it's, I'm not asking for myself, so I can't get rejected. There you go. 
you're like the ultimate pickup artist because yeah. you're just you're like I let know. me get your number and then I'll put it in my own people, file. The, 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 it's what's brilliant. Like so, like if you want to talk about like how to find love, like a very pragmatic thing is because everyone thinks I'm hating on them all the time. Is you can just pretend to be a matchmaker, right? Just be like, hey, I'm working for this matchmaker, Amy Van Doren, and. And, and ask you're really asking for yourself, but just be like, and I was just wondering if you're single. Yeah, you know, like can you can you just pretend to be a matchmaker? How so? How much does the matchmaking world actually run into the sort of pickup artist world? Because um, I know there's a bunch of garbage shit in pickup artist culture for sure. Right, there's not much of a connection. No, the matchmaking world tends to be a lot of older women in New York, lots of Jewish in Long Island, and uh, they're more traditional. Kind of like maybe they look maybe like Patty Stanger, like they have like the straightened hair and the Chanel bags. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of male um, matchmakers. In fact, I think working two reputable one in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's but hundreds of women. Wow, hundreds of women. Like we went on a matchmaking cruise, and the only man in a group of eighty was the accountant that was teaching the matchmakers how to do their accounting. Wow. Um, so you don't really hit with the pickup artist community at all. Yeah. Um, I've, I've personally, because I'm just super curious about everything, when I first started, I, I thought it'd be real clever to go to those pickup things and be like, okay, I'm going to teach, uh, hi, I'm Amy Van Doren, and mm-hmm. like, we're going to do a course today on like how to, and I'd sell them the, the pickup artistry mm-hmm. course, but then I'd get there and be like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to be like an authentic person because at the end of the day, I think you want to attract someone who authentically is into you. So I flip, and I, you know, in the middle, right. I always get kicked down. You're like, "What the hell, Amy?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, I don't. This is the only way because like these men are fragile, and they just they just." Wait, did you you did this? Yeah, I did yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, and and they just they're not bad guys, right? The guys that are going to these pickup artists. They're not bad guys. They really just want a script because they just weren't. There's a there was a period of socialization that was missed for whatever reason. Yeah, it was a skill they, set they didn't pick up along the and way. So they just needed something to practice. But the, some of the things that are being practiced are a little bit problem. I find to be a little bit problematic totally. as a woman. Yeah, um, I am not trying to defend pickup artists in any way, but uh, when I was a student journalist, I got invited to attend one of these seminars to like write about it. And I went in thinking it was going to be atrocious. And then I was just so amused at how basic it was. So basic. It was like, here's how to have a conversation. You need to have things about yourself that make you look good. Right. And then you need to bring those up in a way that doesn't feel like bragging. And the way you do that is by asking the other person questions about themselves and connecting that back to your areas of expertise and, you know, whatever they're, they always like, they have like a shape and a, a code word. It's like your, your triangle of right. self-reliance yeah. or whatever. And it was very basic. I was like, oh, like the, you, you guys are just breaking down flirting of, yeah. oh, hey, I like your style. That's so cool. That reminds me about... You know, this time that I did this cool thing that makes me sound impressive. Right. Here's another thing about you, and then it's like it's just how to have a conversation for people who need level, to take notes. But then notes. there's the other. And then there's like, the other stuff. You know, like you look pretty ugly or pretty attractive for or whatever, and so like the sort of the negs. The, 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 the negging. I, I think seminar that I went to, they had gotten rid of the negs. I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. plenty of people that still teach that. It's a garbage, garbage you know, place. It works of, very well with women with low self-esteem, right? Yeah, um, of like the internet of just so many. People trying to sell you their own rhombus of right, yeah, of text game or, or whatever. Like, you know, keep feeding her drinks and you drink water. Like that's right. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's definitely gross and it's definitely shitty. Where you know, I think a group of women get together in a room and they're like, 
hey, what are we dealing with? And like feminism is created. And a group of men get together in a room and it's like, how do we how do we pick up chicks? And then someone's yeah. like, I'll sell you the secret to pick up chicks. And then suddenly you have this weird pyramid scheme. And totally. it's like, ugh. Totally. Um, yeah, and that's and I'm so so I'm trying to do more talks. I've like been like I've been saying yes to every single talk possible. And so I'm doing a talk with um, a friend at the assemblage talking to men in a oh, safe cool. space where they can, you know, ask ask be foolish and not be judged and not be screamed about about feminism and you can just politely just you know, I because just, you just not everyone knows everything all the time. It's not a big deal. You just kindly, without freaking them out or stressing them out, just tell them, like, well, just so you know. Our culture gives us a lot of information and not a lot of it is life skills. Yeah. And when we do get life skills, we get bombarded with them and it's not easy to absorb. Right. So I think that's great. So moving into uh, creating the positive future that we want to see in the world, let's talk about what people that are listening to this who are looking to date, what can they do? What's a little spell that we can create for them that they can do that will just move them in the right direction? Well, I think that the first thing you have to decide and maybe um, throw away all these ideas of I need a tall man who's Caucasian and makes $500,000 a year. I I think you have to be very careful about what you're looking to manifest. And I, I think that it's much better to write down like someone who makes me wildly deeply happy mm-hmm. you know yeah. because if you go to your friends for help and be like hey why don't you set me up here's my list like no yeah. one's going to want to help you with that right yeah. but if you're just like hey can you you know let's think of your five friends that you love the most and send them an email and be like listen I'm looking to meet someone incredible no questions asked do you have five people that you could introduce me to that like like just five different people one person each yeah you know like just the best person you know five people I love that so much that's something that's come up a, a few times with the spells that um, guests create yeah where it's about connection I think more and more that that's really the magic that we're craving and seeking is don't go to an app go to your friends go see who your friends know go to your be... community because your community mm-hmm. and if you don't have one it's 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 necessary Start I think for the future the future of romance I think it is all about community mm-hmm. because people are quarantined in their houses and they're not talking to each other and they're staying online and they don't have the social skill sets to meet someone. It's a lot easier to meet someone or have a one I say or whatever you're trying to do when you're out with friends than it is when you're by yourself, like yeah. lone wolf in it. And then by the time you get out of the house, you've been, you know, in front of a computer all day. Like it's yeah. very difficult to start talking if you haven't been talking all day. Right. Or I think, you know, you don't, it's, it's hard to rest. Like we were saying earlier with the date where you're staring at someone, yeah. if you're out and you're by yourself and you chat with some strangers and then the conversation ends, it's like, you're there just standing and kind of hanging out again, waiting for the next interaction. Whereas when you're with friends, you're laughing, you're having a great time, and it's so easy to be like, hey, like, you know, we're chatting with the table next to us. It's totally fine. So I think so I think reaching out to your community, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, just like imagining like there's some sort of like thing on your heart and whatever it is that happened to you in the past, you have to like just rip that fucking scab off. Like just yeah. visualize just tearing the fucking thing off and going out into the world and making eye contact and smiling at people. Like, cause like if you're like, if you're a cab and your light's not on, no one can hail you. Yeah. Like make it seem like with your body and eyes and physicality that you're interested in being talked to. I called it my soul hole. Yeah. At this period when I was single. Cause uh, there was, you know, there's all like the new age empowerment stuff about like, you are complete. 
And I was like, no, I'm not complete because I'm looking for somebody. Yeah. And so it's not about filling this gap in myself and then there's nowhere for that person to plug into. It's about maintaining that hole so it's nice and clean and not full of like scabs and pus. Yeah, just make it available. And I'm like, this is the opening that I have that somebody else can fit into because if I'm going through the world and I'm like, I'm looking for someone to fit into this marginal corner of my life and not interrupt all the other stuff I'm doing, that doesn't work. You need to be open to sharing your life with somebody else and saying, yeah, maybe you're going to have an interest that I've never thought about and I'll be stoked to go to a monster truck rally with you or a ballet performance. It's a good relationship. Almost any of this should be fun. It should be fun. I think that's, yeah, number three, it should be fun. It's got to be fun. And if it's not fun, just what's the point? Yeah. Like really, what is the point? So, so pay attention to how you feel around the person. Ask your friends. Keep lo- yourself open. Love, love open, your hole. Yeah. <laughs> Take nice care of your hole. And then I think. And be available. Like don't like the, the way that most people that are avoidant kind of, they're like, oh, well, I'm just so busy. Like maybe I can pencil you in for a date on Thursday at six. Don't fill your life up with shit. Mm-hmm. Like actually be available to meet with someone. Like Create that, that once, space within yourself yeah. and within your life. Yeah, yeah. Like I was dating a guy who like I would see once every two weeks. I'm never going to bond with this person. By mm-hmm. the time I see him again, I've forgotten what we've talked about and I'm right. completely disassociated and then we have to start again. And so it was like... It's like watching just, a TV show where you're yeah. like, you're going way too long between episodes and you're like, wait, who is this character? It was again? the least intimate thing ever. I was yeah. like, every, once every two weeks for two years is nothing. Yeah. Like, you know, I did this person, you know, it, it checked a box of a girlfriend but without actually having to do the interesting work and the depth that goes with it. Well, and I think the most important thing is really that idea of having fun because that's... When I faced being single in New York, I was like, okay, bad dates. I stare at other people on the subway all the time and I'm so curious about what their life is like. Yeah. Here's a chance to learn about what someone's life is like. And maybe there's someone who's kind of boring and I'm not actually going to like connect and have a great time with, but that's still a human being that I get to learn a little bit of their story in a way that I couldn't outside of the confines of a date. You really get to do a lot of stuff on a date that you... You can, you can ask people questions that you can't ask. Like you can't ask a stranger on the street what age they are. Yeah. That would never be allowed. Yeah. Like, like, what age are you? Like, shit, like, what? Right. <laughs> yeah. And you might get laid. And you can have sex. Yeah, and yeah. you can have sex. It's like, it's it's totally, if you if you treat it like a chore, it feels like a chore. But if you treat it like an adventure, then it's something that you're like, oh, you know what? This adventure is not fun. I'll take a pause from it, then I'll come back, and I'll find a different way. And I think that idea of connecting through your friends is great, because then you already have a mutual connection, so... Yeah, but I do, I do think that walking around, looking at the world, experience, engaging in the world, because we have physical bodies, and if mm-hmm. you're going to date someone, it's going to be your physical body dating their physical body. Yeah. And so if they can't talk and walk, or, you know, like, if they can't operate in the world, not behind a computer screen, they're probably not going to be a great match for you. Now, one, one thing that I wanted to make sure that we covered before we wrap this up is, do... Um, how do queer couples fit into this? Do does your service yeah, cater I'm, to them? I'm happy to match make my. I mean, my favorite client of all time was um, a trans man, um, five foot one, mm-hmm. uh, never dated, had no community, um, and it really half the work was connecting this person to people with similar life experiences, so they weren't hiding anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I, I I love working, so I'm not great with. Like I can occasionally introduce you if you like want to throuple, but I'm yeah. not matchmaking is art. Like as long as it's a person to a person, yeah, that works very well. 
it doesn't matter what that person is or what that person is or what You're not kind the, of gender. The, the unicorn hunter for poly couples. Yeah, just because the statistics of finding someone that both people like just makes it's just. Yeah. I just don't have I don't have the bandwidth for that. But um, especially with younger people, like gender's changing in, in a way that they understand and are more open to in, in such a different way than like you know, my forty or fifty year old. 50, 40 or 50 year old like powerful business people maybe don't they, they, maybe they should understand that but they're not quite there yet but yeah. it's, it's it's so much um, it was funny because all the matchmakers use a very similar matchmaking um, CRM so in case we want to send each other matches you can collaborate oh, wow. okay. instead of the formal I said male and female before and like yeah. my, I you know with my with my group of friends yeah. and you know the scene I've been hanging out with like m- most people are um, you know queer or gender queer or mm-hmm. somewhere on the thing I mean I think we met at a Genesis Purge concert yes yeah yeah we were we were breaking down the the gendered archetype yeah, yeah. Um, and so we tried to add um, more options for that and it crashed the whole computer system good um, yeah well computers so computers run on binary they needed a binary right and so but now but now we have like six different options and yeah. um, and now all the straight men are like they like you know they like cis male. I know I keep they they stop they stop filling out the forms. So now yeah. all the straight guys are not filling out the form, and so yeah, yeah. I'm doing the best I can do. You must be this <laughs> open to ride the ride. That's you know that's fun. Well, for anyone that's for everyone that's listening right now, uh, if you follow this advice and you find your true love, please hit me up because I can officiate your wedding. And we'll, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll make some magic happen. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Amy will co-officiate. Uh, we, officiate. Yeah. And we can Ooh. team up. Yeah. Or I could do like modern dances behind you. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll double team your wedding and it will be wild and strange. Yes. And if you're single and confused, please reach out to the Modern Love Club, modernloveclub.com or come check us out on February 14th. We're having a big old Valentine's Day party and it'll be a very weird East Village time where we all come together and imagine what the future of love looks like. I love it. Thank you so much, Amy. Yay! To learn more about Amy Van Doren and her matchmaking, visit modernloveclub.com. And if you'd like to match with the magic that we're creating, you can visit us at patreon.com slash thispodcastisaritual, where you can join in the magic by offering your energy your thoughts, your attention, and perhaps a small financial sacrifice to help this podcast grow so that we can bring more folks into the stream of consciousness and creativity and connection we're trying to create and make the world a more magical place. So until next time, I'm your wizard, hoping you find everything you're looking for and more. <laughs>